0: and welcome once again to Work With Purpose, a podcast about the Australian public service. My name's David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. IPA ACT has long recognised the importance of executive assistance in keeping the APS running and running on time. In this podcast, we have a discussion with Stephanie Ebert, who is EA to the CEO of Services Australia, Michelle Oliver, who is EA to David Fredericks, who is now the Secretary of DEQ, but at the time was the Secretary of the Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources, and Sarah Koleski, who was EA to the Head of Service and the Director General at the ACT Public Service. The discussion focuses on emerging issues and challenges that EAs face every day. And the panellists speak about their experience, their expertise and lessons learned over their long and distinguished careers. They also share some great personal insights uh, about about their time in the public service that really look at the need for confidence and resilience and managing up, and also leadership within their own teams. The discussion was facilitated by Holly Noble, who is the Director of Strategic Planning and Performance at the Department of Finance.
1: I'd like to acknowledge the Ngunnawal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which we're meeting. We acknowledge and respect their continuing culture and contribution they make to the life of this city and this region. I would like to acknowledge and welcome any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may be joining today's event. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's event, the EA series, the EA as a leader. My name is Holly Noble. I'm the Director for Strategic Planning and Performance at the Department of Finance, and I've worked closely with IPA since 2018 and I'm a past chair of the Future Leaders Committee. For those of you who are unfamiliar with IPA, IPA ACT was established in 1953 and is a professional body focused on the promotion of excellence and professionalism in public administration. We're a non-profit and non-partisan organisation that provides a platform for debate and discussion about improving and striving for excellence in public administration in Australia. Today, we're lucky enough to hear from members of the IPE EA series committee, who will be kindly sharing their personal insights and views on what it's like to be an executive assistant. They will talk about how to create impact through adaptive and situational leadership and how EAs can adapt their ever-changing work areas so that they can rise to meeting the increasing expectations and chart of today's event. Now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to our speakers today. Stephanie Ebert has been providing senior level support within the APS for 15 years across all levels of government and is an executive assistant currently working to the Chief Executive Officer of Services Australia. Michelle Oliver is the Senior Executive Assistant to Secretary David Fredericks, PSM, at the Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources. Rana Crago, who was originally on our panel, sends her sincere apologies for today's event. And last but not least, Sarah Koleski. Sarah started her executive assistant career in the Commonwealth Public Service in 1986, before moving to the ACT Public Service in 2015, where she's now working as EA for Kathy Lee. Head of Service and Director General of the Chief Minister's Directorate. Thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you. To set the scene, um, a little bit of background. I actually started my career as an Executive Officer at Hong Kong Shanghai Bank in England uh, before transitioning to Australia and the APS in 2011. Since then, I've been lucky enough to work across a number of different corporate and enabling sector roles at Comcare, IP Australia and the Department of Finance. Um, in my current role, I look after integrated business planning at the Department of Finance but also a centralised secretariat where we look after eight different committees. This means that myself and my team are really lucky enough to work very closely with the exceptional EAs and EXOs across finance and their senior executive, um, I can say with confidence, the strength of our working relationship with EAs and XOs is directly related to the effectiveness of how we can do our day-to-day operations. I've never been in a role where the strength of that um, EA role has not been paramount. So thank you all for joining us today. I'm keen to ask you if you could all briefly share with us, why are you an executive assistant? What do you love about your job? Sarah, I'll start with you.
2: Thanks. Um, Well, as you said in your opening that I've been uh, at a career EA since 1986, so I'm very much on my downhill um, to retirement. Um, uh, But it feels like I've been an EA for only five minutes. It's gone remarkably quick. One of the things that uh, I like about being an executive assistant is the diversity that it brings each day. And um, if I can say, and maybe some of you would understand what I'm talking about is the addiction to being an EA and being someone who's in the know, uh, but not necessarily knowing the detail of what's going on, but you get that sense that something is happening. Um, so, you know, that emotional intelligence plays a really big part of being an EA. Um, the other thing that I really love is the challenge of getting those really hard meetings to happen um, uh, in the ACT Public Service. My uh, oh, Kathy Lee, who's uh, my executive and the head of service, um, she has 15 direct reports. So I'm looking at 15 calendars regularly and trying to find that little gap. Um, So having access to all of those calendars is really important. And um, I quite like being given that challenge of finding that spot, but I also really like to work with the EAs across uh, the ACT public service. Um, And knowing that I'm not going to put a clanger in their calendars that's got that flow on effect. And I've been at the bottom of the pile where you're the one that's having to fix it. So I'm very conscious that I don't do that. But I do also like to say that occasionally I don't have a choice and I don't have to talk to anybody and I love it (laughs) because it just happens. And I'm just bang, it's happened. Um, So, and I think I love the wheeling and dealing and it's like Tetris that I can, manipulate one calendar and do a deal with someone else to make it all work. So I think that's really why I love it. And that's why I've stayed doing this role
3: for such a long time. Wheeling and dealing makes sense. Michelle, how about yourself? Uh, For me, it's more pace. Mm. Um, The pace can be nice and calm. And we've had some nice calm time uh, leading up to a new government where now it's just Uh all stations go uh and literally physically just running sometimes. Um so the pace is um is great. Uh networking. I love networking. I love um like Sarah said, negotiating uh and getting I like to think I get what I want. Um and (laughs) and negotiating with ministers' offices and um and yeah, other other agencies as well, obviously. But for me, working um, at industry in particular, at Dizer, uh it's a really exciting department. And I love the fact that I'm in, you know, serving the Australian people and making sure that we've got really good outcomes mm-hmm. for everybody. But I've got kids and I've got grandchildren. I want to make those positive changes for them. And if you can be part of that, then that to me is an absolute positive, And that's what I really, really love, especially working at the department that I'm in. So, and, um, you know, we've got a, a great department and it's just an amazing place to work. Steph, can I throw to you? Uh,
4: yeah, no, absolutely. I actually love the fact that, t- that there's, it's never the same two days in a row. Um, what could, what was a burning issue yesterday isn't actually a burning issue the next day. I again, I, I love being able to collaborate and and network and, and discuss things with all of my counterparts in all different agencies and departments. Um, and even in the minister's office, you know, brand new ministers bringing them in and dealing with all of the um, the changes that happen. I uh, I think the, yeah, I, I like to be able to be in an area that I can see the direct correlation to the changes you make in a policy or changes you make in something that you're doing there and how that actually rolls and the flow on effect to the Australian people.
1: A very powerful role, very, very impactful. You each have a wealth of experience. Um, Sarah, can you tell me what has been some of the standout moments across different phases of your career and why?
2: Um, I've had a few over the, if I say 30, plus years really fast, Um, but some absolutely stand out and uh, the first being obviously being asked to apply for the job that I'm currently in and working for the head of service because when I came over from the ACT public service, uh, uh, sorry, when I came over from the Commonwealth to the ACT, uh, you know, being the new kid on the block um, and I managed to find my way working down the corridor from the head of service and then being asked to apply, I was thinking, I can't. (laughs) Like it was, I didn't know anything about the ACT public service, but I realised very quickly that um, being in so many policy um, departments in the Commonwealth, I, I was very familiar with a lot of names. So it actually helped me. So that would be obviously, the highlight and I'm in the dream job because I get to do things like this um, and meet and speak to so many interesting people. Um, Another highlight for me was a few years ago, uh, I uh, got to meet the former Governor General Sir Peter Cosgrove and his wife um, and it wasn't particularly a nice experience why I was meeting them. Um, We had a former public servant who unfortunately had um, cancer and he was nominated for a PSM, but he was in hospital and he was not going to be able to uh, receive his award. Um, So my uh, boss, Kathy, being on the council was able to make things happen. So I got to escort, uh, the Governor General and his wife through Canberra Hospital and it was quite funny watching all the um, the people around them, you know, making sure there weren't any bombs or anything in the room before we went in and, um, and I got to watch him do that investiture, um, which was quite an honour. Um, So that that would absolutely be one of my highlights. Um, And being awarded an ACT Public Service Leadership Award a few years ago as well was very humbling that, you know, I was nominated by my peers. So you can't get anything better than that. And then last year, I was asked to work for our current chief minister for a, a few months while he was sort of in transition of uh, getting a new uh, executive officer. So um, that that was an absolute highlight. And I think I rocked in the corner in the fetal position for the first few (laughs) weeks thinking what the hell have I done? Because it is such a different environment working for a minister Mm. than what it is in the public service. So, you know, um, they all call each other by their Christian names, whereas I'm used to calling them Minister and, you know, remembering that, actually I can't call you that, uh, was quite interesting but just watching the politics play out and I actually went and watched uh, the Chief Minister in uh, Question Time and knowing that he's quite an introvert to watching him in Question Time was quite amazing because I came... I came back from it and um, I said to him, it's very theatrical, isn't it? And he said, yes, it is. Um, But that was an absolute highlight. And they even said that I, if I, they'd have me back. So I figured I couldn't have done too bad, even though I was working in the fetal position for a while. So (laughs) yeah,
1: they're my absolute highlights. Those are some amazing experiences. Thank you for sharing those with us. Uh, Michelle, you have 10 years experience as an executive assistant in the ACT government and, and APS. Could you share a time in amongst all of that when things were tough and you found yourself facing challenge and uncertainty? How did you navigate that challenge and what did you learn? And how was
3: resilience an important part of your ability to respond? It's actually a really good question. And I've got a lot of examples, but I'll give you one. Um, well, I was working uh, with the uh, David Fredericks at the time. Uh, he was a deputy and um, knowing full well that he was going to be at one stage tapped on the shoulder to be secretary. Um, you know, you watch that diary, you see little things come in di- through the diary and you just know that something's going on. And that went on for quite um, a, a long time, like quite a few weeks. But um the, probably the worst experience in that part of it was that, um, he did get word that he was, um, being invited to, to lead up a department and, um, I was working from home or I was on actual, I was actually on annual leave mm. and, um, uh, all of my colleagues, including Rana, uh, were contacting me and just saying, you know, David's secretary, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, uh, look, I've, i, I I've got no idea. I haven't heard anything. Um, It was really, um, I was really put in a difficult situation as well. So uh, I had my partner at home at the time. He just told me to breathe, be calm. Uh, The secretary, well, David was up at uh, a cabinet meeting in Sydney and I knew how it was a very important one. Uh, I sent him a lovely text message and hoped that he would call me. He did call me. And he did invite me to go with him to the secretary role. So that was an enormous relief. But then when you get into, we had uh, Friday, that was Friday Mm. night at 5.30. We started in the new department on Monday. I was on annual leave. I didn't even get to say goodbye to my colleagues at finance. Uh, We started in the new department at nine o'clock on Monday morning. Uh, I'd gone from a deputy EA on Friday to a secretary's EA on the Monday. Uh, I really didn't even have anybody to talk to, to get advice. I was taking down offices and setting officers up. Um, and uh, yeah, well, the whirlwind just began. I walked into a department that was incredibly supportive uh, with the deputy EAs uh, who I'm forever grateful Um, two and four. Uh, And uh, it was really, really challenging. It was, it's a very different level to deputy secretary role. And, um, uh, you know, stakeholders, you're dealing with completely different levels of stakeholders. Uh, You're expected to be able to get their names and phone numbers within five seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, So just really those networks were crucial um, and uh, yeah, it was a really trying time. Uh, at the end of the day, I just I just backed myself and um, I always just wanted to be a deputy EA, never thought that ever I'd be a secretary's EA, it would have been nice, um, but just never backed myself quite enough mm-hmm. to get to that. But I knew I had a deputy that could be a secretary. So I really, proved myself and then uh, once we got into that role, it was just, yeah, backing myself, believing in myself, using my networks, using my contacts, um, speaking to people for advice that i would never even spoken to before. But um, it was a really good outcome and, um, yeah, it, what are we, three years later and we're still, still together and he survives and I've survived and yeah, I love it, I love it, really do and I'm so glad that I'm being honored to have that position.
1: That's so, fantastic advice. Resilience is so important, it's as very you say. Important, tapping yeah. into those networks. Leadership starts with a conversation you have with yourself. It it has to resonate with your values. What does that mean to you all and what are you doing to con- ensure you continue to grow and develop as a leader? And Steph, we might start with you.
4: Yeah. Um
1: thanks. I actually so, leadership has always been one
4: of those things that you know there's there's multiple books and things like that that you can read, and there's everything you do. But I think what I've actually adapted lately, well, not lately in the last you know ten years is is the growth mindset. and it's you never finished learning on your leadership journey. So continue um, using like and I think that it's it's my, I, I actually use my networks in as an EA for my leadership because there are so many amazing people. That have been in the positions a lot longer than I have, Mm -hmm. and that it can actually impart so much more wisdom and leadership than I can. So, you know, looking up to them and and asking them those questions has actually enabled me to further my own leadership journey, and you know, Mm -hmm. take that and actually help the one the the EAs that are starting theirs. So amazing,
1: yeah, Sarah.
2: Um, I think leadership for me is um about uh putting your hand up for things like today, Mm -hmm. um, that you're willing to put yourself in a situation where you're not particularly comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, It does get actually easier with a bit of time I've learned over the years. Um, uh, I think, um, you know, I'm the same that, you know, I work with a, a really great bunch of Uh, EAs across the ACT public service who make me kind of look good. (laughs) Um, But they're always looking at someone to guide and implement. And I've been really fortunate that uh, in my office, Kathy has allowed me to grow in terms of that leadership. And she sees that it's actually a really good it's valuable to Mm. her Mm. um, because you're helping the other EAs that are, you know, new to an organisation and they don't know necessarily what they're doing Mm. and how they need to support their executive. And so me being available and, you know, I get random questions all the the time about all sorts of things. And sometimes I think, why is someone asking me that? But, you know, I always Mm. make sure I help and, you know, I mean, before I came even today, I just sent out an email to all the EAs across the ACT and the number of emails I got back saying, good luck, you'd be great. And I'm thinking, will I? Um, but when I went to the ACT, there was there was nothing um, in terms of an EA cohort. So I basically developed everything that we've got with other people, of course. You know, I mean, we've got email lists, phone lists with photos, and I developed an induction guide last year, which was really important because um, I realised very quickly that new EA's coming on board while we've been in COVID. Um, They've just picked up their laptop, here you go, you're on your own working from home. And so them being able to find the contacts and all the email addresses and all those sorts of things were really, really helpful. And, you know, just to support them, uh, because working from home and talking to your wall all day is really hard. Um, So I found that, you know, something that I've grasped and just run with it and I never, thought I would be in a situation where I was doing that. So you get thrown into it and if you, you can either sink or swim, I guess. So I just figured oh, well, I might as well have a go and you know, see what happens.
1: Sounds like there's a number (laughs) of people who are very grateful
3: that you did. Um, Michelle? Um, Leadership. Uh, I like, I've learned working for David um, the secretary it's just a watch and listen to what um, how he runs his um, SES mm-hmm. um, and he's very respectful um, and I've learnt a lot from him in particular uh, and his leadership and then you put that into practice in your own leadership um, and with the EO cohort mm-hmm. uh, at DISA, uh, we have a, a big network and um, you know, they do an amazing job. Um, But yeah, basically just um, looking, look, listen and learn, and then putting that into your own perspective. And of course, there's people out there that you will see that you think, okay, that's just something I'm not going to do, Mm. you know, um, because not everybody's a great leader. Mm. Um, But it's about just being, just taking those notes and those points And those positive points and putting it into your own leadership style uh, is really important um, for me and my leadership. Um, And being really respectful to others is really important Mm -hmm. to me. Um, The other thing is uh, what's helped me a lot is uh, mentoring the EAs, the junior or uh, more junior EAs, that's been a huge privilege for me when a EA will reach out to me and get my leadership and my advice. Um, that's quite an honour. And they'll they'll put that into, into practice. And you can see them do that when they're doing their interviews and stuff like that. Um, but also too, I have a mentor mm. and that's really important for me. Um, I have uh, several mentors and, um, you know, not everything's easy to do. So it's great to have that mentor where you can go to and just get that uh, wise counsel and uh, and then take it back and put it into practice. Um, uh, yeah, so that, that would be my my leadership. Another very important
1: part of a, a diverse network that helps you on your leadership journey that yeah. makes complete sense. Um, The past couple of years have impacted the way that we all work and I think, Sarah, you definitely mentioned that. (laughs) Lastly, just to wrap up before we move on to um, questions from our audience, which I hope everybody is actively participating in the chat, if you could all share one key piece of advice, a call to action or a mantra that's been important to you in your EA career that you would pass on, what would it be? Sarah, I'm going to put you on the spot.
2: I think for me, what I, uh, my number one advice, and I've seen it over the years, um, that people often think that knowledge is powerful. Mm. um, But I actually think the powerful thing is knowledge sharing. Mm. Um, So the more information that I and privy to that, potentially a lot of people don't have access to. I share my knowledge, and I can see that people are really grateful and happy for me to pass that knowledge on. Um, so that that's the one thing that I think um, I would pass on to someone. If you know, if you're new. Um, and you've learned the ropes. Pass on that information to someone else because keeping it to yourself mm-hmm. is not powerful at all. So that that would be my piece of advice.
3: You remember, like everybody's replaceable, right? Yeah, 100%. absolutely. So there's no point keeping it to yourself. Yeah, You're right. better off sharing it and building everybody's knowledge. It's not like everybody wants your job. Yeah. No. You know. So yeah, building. Yeah, it's a great yeah
4: knowledge share. the knowledge gained. Mm-hmm. It's just,
3: just yeah. 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 Michelle? One more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I totally agree with Sarah. And it's a very, very good point. And yeah, I do the same thing. Like it's, it's no point keeping it all to yourself. If It's going to make somebody else's life easier then so be it, um, it's a better outcome. Um, mine would be learning from my mistakes, like I, you've got to uh, own up to it and um, learn by your mistakes and what your mistakes are, but then putting processes in place. So that you don't make those mistakes again. Like that's really important. Uh, the last thing you want is your SES coming out and saying, you know, saying the same thing to you um, where you've made a mistake. So that's that's been really important to me. Uh, so, yeah, if I've ever made a mistake, I'll put a process in place um, so that I'm not going to do that again. And I've always done that, owning up to your mistakes, like just be honest. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and back yourself. Just, you know, you've got to, if you can't back yourself, then you're doomed. Yeah. You've got to um, be able to back yourself, trust yourself. And, uh, yeah, just just do it. Just go out and do it. I was once told that... Um, you know, for um, a job description, women will read the job job description and see the the duty. And, oh, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. I can't do that, mm-hmm. and won't apply for the job. Where a girl go? Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that, <laughs> and <laughs> I'll apply for a things. job. Yeah. We're so hard on ourselves that uh, yeah, you just need. I can do this, mm-hmm. and um, if I hadn't have backed myself, then um, I just wouldn't be here today. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's really important to read an audience mm. and to be able to read your, um, the people around you and know, you know, I can muck around with a lot of people, but there's just some people you you can't. Yeah. So you've got to be able to read your audience and um, and read them well and um, put, you know, those reactions in place where need be, so. Yeah, I mean, some of
2: those things can be quite
3: subtle in yeah. terms of nuances and yeah. uh, so being able to,
2: uh, pick those. Yeah, is really and everybody's important, different. You know, yeah.
3: everybody's different. So um, you've got to be able to act appropriately, and especially in the role that you know mm. we're all in, you have to be able to to be able to do that. Mm. I really like what you were saying um, about learning from your mistakes and
1: putting in a new process, and it's a continual journey. It links really nicely with what you were saying earlier, Steph, about that growth mindset. One piece of advice from you, Steph, if we were sharing. Um, so,
4: yeah, this one has been a mantra
1: from of mine for years. It, it's you're in a you're in a position of
4: privilege, not power. Um, mm-hmm. I've had so many. I, I've met so many EAs, and they tend to crash and burn because they wear the bosses. You know, they, they wear their title as if it's their own. Mm-hmm. And you Gosh, put a lot so of people. Important. It is. You so put important. so many people offside doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, understand that. Yes, you are in a You you are in that position. You you sit outside that boss's office, but it's not you that holds the power. You can sit there and you can help do things, but you're there to help and you're there to assist. You are not
3: there to actually, you know, put people offside.
2: Yeah.
3: It's better to be easier to work with, isn't it? And be um, approachable. Oh yes. Because you want people to come to you to have those positive outcomes. Yeah. So why build up a a brick wall? You but you're so right, Steph, like so many people, EAs in particular, think that they do hold that power and yeah. you just don't. Everybody's replaceable. You've got to remember that. It's
4: also, they're, they're also the ones that aren't career EAs. They're the ones yeah,
3: that yeah, they're yeah, yeah. yeah. Know your boundaries, I yes. yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's some amazing advice. Thank you, ladies. That's just fantastic. We're going to take some questions uh, from the audience. So thank you, everybody that's been uh, about tips and tricks. What are some of the unique things that you do um, as an EA that sets you
3: apart from other EA's?
4: Sets us apart?
3: <laughs> well, I don't know about setting us apart. No two, tri- two tricks that I'll share. Uh, one thing um, I have done is in my emails, when the secretary uh, ever sends an email out, it is red. <laughs> It is bold and it is in huge font. So I'll see it in my uh, inbox first thing in the morning or during the day. I can see it straight away uh, because at the end of the day, he's the most important person I've got to look after. So if he's wanting something, um, yeah, so I've bolded it made it red and yeah. made it huge font. I was
2: going to say, I do exactly the same, so it must be something about yeah. red. Yeah, there ball. is uh, <laughs> one of the EAs at work, she does <laughs> the same thing, but universe. she'll have
3: it, have it colour-coded. Yeah. Okay. So she's got different codes for her deputy secretary and then her uh, HODs. Oh. Um, the other thing that I have created, and I've learnt from um, uh, a minister's office, actually, is she used to put a template in her meeting invites and it had all the information in it. Sarah will have seen it coming through because uh, um, Kathy has an invite with the Secretary. So I just have a template now that's in my signature block. It has the meeting location, it has um, uh, the VC details, it has everything in there, the correspondence, any attachments in there that is in that template. See my signature blocks. I just fill it in and send it out. I can sometimes delete um, stuff out of it, add to it. I'm about to add because we've just started Teams at work. So I'm just about to add a little thing in there for Teams um, and uh, it's ready to go. And the great thing about that is it's got attendees in there from the, the other externals to the um, internally. So everybody knows who's attending that meeting, and the great thing about that is the secretary loves it. Mm. So he can go in there, he can see all the information. He's not asking me questions. He can see it <laughs> all in there. He knows if they're internal, he knows if it's on the phone, he knows if it's Teams or whatever. So um, they're two really good things. One other good thing that I do is I have templates. Mm. I have templates for declines, for meetings. I don't have to recreate the wheel every time I'm declining a meeting. I just pull up my Word document, copy, paste, see you later. Um, whether it's, and I have different, uh, types of declines, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, yes, the secretary, uh, is declined, you know, apology, but, you know, deputy secretary such and such can attend. I've copied in his EA. So I have that. So when you're doing something all the time, get your templates together. Mm -hmm. I've shared that with all my EAs in the network, um, sharing my knowledge. So, uh, and that just makes my life. So much easier, you know, because you are sometimes doing the same thing over and over. So, there's three tips from me.
2: Amazing. Um, I do something similar to that
3: where I use signature, my
2: signature is different yes. for each thing that's repetitive.
3: Yeah. The only thing I find though with that, with signature blocks, yes. is if IT, as wonderful as they are, <laughs> come they in and do. Oh, the if they do <laughs> a reset on you, yeah. you lose a whole lot unless they, you know they to back them up. Yeah. So I've got lots of different signatures yeah. as well, yeah. Yeah. but uh, just be aware that if you do need to have a reset done on your computer, will
2: you disappear. will lose it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have rules set up as well, so, yeah. you know, particularly if the chief of staff to the chief minister. Mm. Um, sends an email to Kathy, it bumps into my inbox and the executive offices at the same time. So I don't have to be in Kathy's inbox to know that that, you know, that's her number one yep. customer. Uh, so you're right, just those little neat tricks. Yep. Um, I'm sure there's plenty more, but I just oh, can't think of them. Oh, <laughs> there's so many. I think,
4: I think most of them actually kind of revolve around templates and knowing how to you know, categorise your e- your emails and and just those little tips and tricks around emails. So, I I mean, first, one of the first things I did was go and learn how to actually use Outlook properly, and it yeah. saved me. Mm. Yeah. It was amazing. I think
2: we're all time poor. So, oh, you know, yeah. all those little neat little things, you know, the control button does an awful lot in the calendar, so you can open up three or four days at the same time just by pressing control, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. Instead yeah. of having to go into that day and then get out of it and then go into the other day, if you press control and open up all the dates, you see them all at once. Mm. Yep. And if I'm looking at fifteen calendars, yeah. it is very it's ugly. Uh, but I've got a big curved um, screen so I can potentially see them when I'm in the office but not at home. Say, so it's hard to when home
4: though. If you if you use this
2: <laughs> big screen and then you go home and
4: you're de- and dealing I with your little laptop. My little one. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. So, you know, those sorts of things are Always very helpful for us. So. The other thing that I also do
3: too, and it was one of the mistakes that I'd made, and it was a process I put in place, uh, is that I'll invite myself to every single meeting that the secretary has. Yeah. Uh, mm. That way, um, it's in my calendar and I can keep him on time. I get the alert to say, you know, a meeting in 15 minutes, five minutes, whatever, and then I can keep him on time. Uh, you know, once I didn't, and uh, I got in trouble. (laughs) So, you know, it's just so you'll see my name in every meeting that the secretary has and it will go into my diary, bang, he's on time. So yeah, I've given you four now. Those are some amazing tips and tricks for time
1: saving when when every minute counts. Speaking of making time count, for work-life balance, are you available 24-7? Do you have a cut off? How do you manage that? Uh, yeah, you, you,
4: you definitely need a cut off. You, you can't be on 24 seven. Mm. It's a, it's a quick way to crash and burn. Mm. Um, so I kind of, I do, I tend to do kid drop off and I'll pick them up. I'll do dinner time with them. And then if I have to, I'll actually, I, I get back on between mm. the period, between like seven 30 and nine, um, is when I'll send emails. But I also have this nifty little thing at the end of my signature block that says I'm sending it outside of outside normal work hours, you know, unless you have to don't, don't respond yeah um, you know but I think it's so important to be able to to just shut off otherwise you're just gonna continually go everything just keeps going through your head you mm-hmm. need to have your own your own time
3: as well and it's hard to like you can take that equipment home now right yes. so um, but it's yeah hard. I I do uh, switch off and I've got my phone and if if it' comes through on my phone and it's urgent then then I'll address it. But if it's not, that it'll be there tomorrow morning. Yeah. Um, and you know, like it's a really busy role, but um, you know, you're entitled to have that me time, my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really important that you take that take that time. It's also handy if you've got a um, a boss manager that's also supportive of that, mm-hmm. and they should be. And as long as you, you know, I've heard of um, bosses emailing their uh, EAs at three o'clock in the morning.
1: Hopefully
3: um, like they don't get a response. <laughs> uh, it was in <laughs> ACT government too, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, seriously, 3, three o'clock in the morning. But, yeah. you know, are they expected to answer it? No. She's just up, you know, thinking about it. But you've just got to think, I'll fix it up when I get in there in the morning. And, you, you know, you always hit the floor running when you get in there anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you do. Have, it's really important to have some me yeah. time.
2: I think. Uh, You know, unfortunately for all of us going through COVID the last couple of years and lots of us have worked from home, um, that time that you would normally use Mm. travelling, when it first happened, you know, you're just logging on at seven o'clock in the morning instead of at half past eight when you actually get into the office. So, uh, I was burning myself out in the first year or so because things were just happening all the time here in the ACT and you know uh, we had to do things that potentially our counterparts in the Commonwealth didn't like particularly around Parliament House and you know ministers not necessarily being able to fly into Canberra so we weren't popular but um, we were protecting Canberra community and for my boss and for the Chief Minister that was very high priority. Um, so the first year or so was really hard, but now I actually make myself not log on until half past eight. So I'll, like you, I've got my phone if my boss is looking for me, I'll send her a message back, but I'm actually not working. Mm. Um, and also at the other end of the day, I think Microsoft Teams now has something that I noticed a couple of weeks ago uh, that they updated something about Viva. Um, and it actually says to me at six o'clock every night, time to shut down. Um, so having those nice. sorts of things, um, reminding you actually at six o'clock, <laughs> Whereas, you know, with our jobs, you could just keep going forever and you still not find the bottom of the pile. So you really have to make a commitment
1: not to do that. There's firm boundaries and as you've alluded to, it will be there tomorrow, (laughs) which makes sense. Yes, exactly. (laughs) We've had some questions come in around difficult executive or difficult relationships. How do you manage a difficult relationship to ensure that, particularly if it's an executive, they're using their time effectively? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually a firm believer of um, if the
4: personality isn't going to fit, yeah. the mm. job isn't going to fit. No. Um, yeah. so it's time to move. 100%. Yeah, I, I truly believe there is there is that person that's going to be perfect for that executive and It's not you. It's not you. Yeah. I, you can definitely work with some difficult people, um, but that's only a stopgap. It's only, you could only do it temporarily because you'll end up not liking the job that you're in. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And you, yeah. Then the anxiety, the mental health, all all that will start to play a part. Um, I've been in that situation and I got out of it, you know, and uh, I've never looked back since, but um, it is, yeah, it's just not going to work if yeah. yeah, if you can't make it and the manager can't make it work then uh, yeah it's time to move on
2: mm. I mean I found myself in a situation like that many many years ago that I was working for someone um, that was known to be quite difficult he was quite an academic mm. so his interpersonal skills were quite lacking um, and I just found one day I just had to stand up to him mm. um, which was quite challenging at the time, but it put him back in his box. <laughs> um, and he kind of like, I found another role, um, but he didn't sort of approach me in the same way after that.
3: Sets the
1: foundation for a really strong working
2: relationship. Yeah.
3: And yeah. You, you, nobody's got any right to um, treat treat you disrespectfully. Mm-hmm. You're entitled to as much respect as the next person, uh, and nor should you have to put up with it. Um, and Sarah, I've done that same thing where I've said, uh, no. Mm. Um, and that takes guts yeah, it does. and it takes time and it, um, but once you start doing it, then that, um, that builds and you can do it more easily. So yeah, it's really important to, to be able to say, actually, that's inappropriate. Mm. You can't speak to me like that. And, um, but yeah, if it's not going to work, it's just time to tips and tricks. This is an interesting question.
1: Um, Not that the others haven't been interesting, but this one particularly took uh, my interest. There's a lot of um, females in EA roles. Why do you think that we don't attract more male EAs?
2: Mm, And we don't. No. Um, And I've been really fortunate to work with a number of male EAs and they just add a different dynamic to a team. Mm. Um, you know, uh, a lot of women together can be a bit bitchy at Mm. times and you just find that just them being around, it's not the same. Um, yeah, I think again, unfortunately, like a many, like a lot of roles, nurses, teachers, it's a definitely a female Dominant. dominant profession. Um, and I don't know how you change that, um. It's it's a, a really hard one, but I you know if anybody approaches me, I encourage them. Mm. You know, you've got skills that potentially are transferable from whatever you're doing to what we're doing. Put your put your uh, an application in and your CV and have a go. Yeah.
3: Um, I don't know how it is in the Commonwealth with oh, males, this, but this is, like, it's the same. It's, We've got some uh, quite a few male EAs in the department. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, one in particular that comes to mind. He's just amazing. Like He's really amazing. And he's great. And he puts his hand up and um, he's proactive. And, um, you know, he's really, great to be around and he's moving up in leaps and bounds and, um, you know, he, he's just a great example for, um, for the males to come in there and to do that type of role. It is like a more um, female dominant role, I think, but because I always think that, you know, like being in EA, you, you, everything's neat and tidy, it's in its place, it's, um, I'm like that at home, you know, the kids are on time or whatever. Um, and keep you know, making the bed and whatever, but you know, that's what it's like That's being an EA, you know, you're organized, you you can run that family, you can run an office and run your SES. So, um, it's just more of a, I know, female dominant role, but it's, it's nice to have some males in there as well. Look we at Gavin in, um, defense,
4: defense.
3: He's, fabulous. he's a gun, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's great to deal with Jack, Yeah, yeah. great. It's so lovely to see, you know, guys up in that level uh, running a secretary's office. Yeah. Wow, go go for it. Yeah. yeah, and they're great guys. Yeah, they are. Plug, plug. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, thank you. Thank you so
1: much. You've shared so much advice, experience, um, the mantras were amazing. We've talked about networking. Uh, we've talked about feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Um, amazing efficiency tips. So, thank you very much for being so generous and sharing uh, today. And if you have a flood of emails in your inbox after you've <laughs> talked about networking, um, I'm sure everybody will be happy to um, participate in that. That's all we have time for today. Um, I'd really, again, like to thank Sarah, Michelle and Steph for being part of today's panel and also representing the EA committee. If you'd like to be involved uh, or just want to know more about the work that we do, you can contact us through the IPA, uh, through IPA by subscribing to IPA content and selecting the box for EA series information. Uh, finally, we'd just like to acknowledge the event would not have been possible today without the support of IPA's partners: KPMG, Kays, Telstra, Mint Ellison, the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, and
0: Microsoft. I'd like
1: to thank you all for attending to that, today's event, and we really hope that you've enjoyed it.
0: So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Holly Noble wrapping up that great conversation, and. It's just great, isn't it, to understand the roles and challenges of keeping the APS moving and moving on time. And those challenges that the EAs face, they're just – at the fulcrum of of decisions uh, that need to be made and the need for priority and choices and everything that goes with it. So, you know, it's just a wonderful thing that uh, the EA series continues to recognise just such a critical, important role that these um, our wonderful uh, executive assistants play across uh, the EPA, Uh, the wonderful role that our... uh, EAs play across the entire APS. And a big shout out to all of the EAs out there. Thank you so much for the hard work that you do uh, in keeping uh, the APS moving in the right direction. Work With Purpose is a part of the GovCom's podcast network. A big thanks, as always, to our friends and colleagues at IPA who helped put together the content and also to the Australian Public Service Commission for their ongoing support and also to the team at Content Group for the technical production of this program today. We'll be back at the same time in the technical production of this program My name's David Pembroke. We'll be back at the same time in a fortnight. But for the moment, it's bye for now. Work With
2: Purpose is a production of Content Group in partnership with the Institute of Public Administration Australia and with the support of the Australian Public Service Commission.